Hey, future doctors. Thanks for joining me on Spoonful of Sugar, a podcast made for medical students by medical students to help the medicine go down. My name is Rhea Moherker. I'm currently a radiation oncology resident in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I will be your host today. Thanks for tuning back in to Spoonful of Sugar. In today's episode, we're going to visit the subject of pharmacology and review the drugs used to treat cancer. You can imagine that since a lot of these drugs target elements of the cell cycle or basic biological mechanisms that we have been learning about since even before medical school, examiners love to go after this topic because it allows them to write third order questions that start with a patient's clinical vignette you know, their presentation, what's their most likely diagnosis. And then they can ask you that the treatment for this particular drug might be which of the following mechanisms. And by being able to connect that, you know, high level clinical presentation to the basic biological mechanism, um, that's kind of all what the step one exam is about. And so examiners love to go after this topic. As you move forward through your medical career, depending on which specialty you pursue, you may or may not need to intimately know these drugs and how they work. But for the purposes of step one, all of us need to know, you know, just be able to recognize the names of these drugs, be able to identify their basic mechanism. And some particular drugs have high yield sort of adverse effects that come up a lot on exams. And so we will be going through all of these in today's episode. As always, I'm going to be asking lots of questions to encourage you to think about what you know and try to actively engage with the episode. When I ask questions, really encourage yourself to think about the answer. And if you need more time, feel free to pause and try to come up with the answer on your own. If you don't know the answer, do not worry. I think that a lot of times the answers we get wrong are the ones that we remember the most. So I'd rather you speak out loud the answer to one of my questions, get it wrong, and then remember what's correct so that when it shows up on the exam, you know exactly what to pick. So with that said, let's get to the topic of cancer drugs. Now, when I say cancer drugs, the word chemotherapy comes to mind. But why wouldn't I just call this episode chemotherapy? Why would I call it cancer drugs? So this is a really key point that I don't think I understood until early in my residency, actually. But chemotherapy is really just a type of systemic therapy used by medical oncologists. And there are other types of systemic therapy as well, which we will discuss. Before we get into that, though, I'd like to take a brief aside here just to review cancer care in general, um, because I think this is important for medical students to understand. When we think about cancer care, there's really three main arms, medical oncology, surgical oncology, and radiation oncology. So surgery and radiation are both local therapies. If possible, we'd like to totally resect the tumor using surgery or completely kill the tumor using radiation. And sometimes one of these modalities alone is enough to completely eradicate the disease. However, when resected tumors have positive surgical margins or lymph nodes involved, or if they're too big to resect, or even metastatic, we often need to start incorporating multiple modalities. 
Then there are some cancers like leukemia, which are diffusely present in the blood, that are not amenable to local therapy and just require systemic therapy up front. But each cancer is unique and each cancer is different. And within each disease site, there are various circumstances in which we would need surgery and or radiation and or chemotherapy. And this is what makes oncology such a unique team-based specialty because we are constantly integrating all three types of cancer specialists to go after the disease. And of these three specialties, cancer drugs are really in the realm of medical oncology. And medical oncologists, in the U.S. at least, are trained with three years of internal medicine, followed by a three-year fellowship in hematology oncology. And these are the individuals that are board certified to administer systemic therapy for the treatment of cancer. So back to kind of my original question, what do I mean by systemic therapy? Systemic therapy for cancer is really anything oral or IV that treats cancer anywhere in the body. Like I said earlier, this is unlike radiation or surgery, which are local treatments. And chemotherapy is just one type of systemic therapy, but there are other systemic therapies out there. Do you guys have any idea what other types of systemic therapy are used? So hormonal therapies are actually used to treat certain cancers that express hormone receptors, including breast cancer and prostate cancer. Immune therapies, for example, rituximab used in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, these are drugs that are antibodies against specific proteins or markers expressed on cancer cells, and they kind of help to activate our body's own immune system against the cancer. There's also targeted gene therapy, uh, for example, imatinib used in chronic myeloid leukemia. Um, these are specific molecules. These drugs target specific molecules. Um, for example, imatinib is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor of the BCR-ABL fusion protein that's expressed in CML. So very you know, high-tech sort of drugs that are used as systemic therapy in the treatment of cancer. And then finally, there are other biologic or cellular therapies. For example, CAR T-cells, which are chimeric antigen receptor T-cells. And this is sort of way beyond the scope of this episode, but um, you know, there's a lot of research out there in medical oncology on various drugs that we can use to help target cancer cells and help activate our own immune system to fight the cancer. In today's episode on cancer drugs, we're going to focus mainly on chemotherapy agents, which pop up a lot on exams, and then we'll talk about a few different immune therapies and targeted therapy agents, which you should also be familiar with that can sometimes show up on USMLE Step 1. So let us begin by talking about chemotherapy drugs. What is chemotherapy? Knowing what you know now, that chemotherapy is just a type of systemic therapy, how would you explain chemotherapy to a layperson or a patient? I usually tell patients that chemotherapy drugs are a general class of drugs used to kill cancer cells. Cancer is just uncontrolled cell division, and so chemotherapy drugs target various elements of the cell cycle to prevent cell division. 
There's a lot of normal cells in the body that constantly divide as well, such as hair follicles, skin cells, cells in the GI tract, and chemotherapy goes everywhere in the body. So it can't really differentiate abnormally dividing cancer cells from normally dividing cells in our body. And that's why a lot of side effects of chemotherapy drugs are generic and they affect these rapidly dividing cells. So patients will experience hair loss, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and you know weight loss as a result of all these GI side effects. And it's common to see rash a lot of times with chemotherapy drugs as well. Now, one quick thing I want to clarify. We say that chemotherapy goes everywhere and it's considered a systemic therapy and it you know travels to our circulatory system, whether it's given IV or PO. Can you think of a particular site in the body, however, that's a little bit extra protected from things in the blood? If you're thinking of the central nervous system, which is protected by the blood-brain barrier, you're absolutely right. It's made of endothelial cells connected by extremely tight junctions, and so all chemotherapy drugs cannot always get through the blood-brain barrier. And just like there's a blood-brain barrier, there is similarly a blood-testes barrier as well. So a lot of times chemotherapy drugs can go everywhere in the body, but like with all other drugs, we do have to think about the blood-brain barrier and the blood-testes barrier, which can sometimes be a little bit extra resistant. So moving on now to the actual chemotherapy drugs and their mechanisms. What are the different parts of the cell cycle that are targeted by chemotherapy drugs? When I think about chemotherapy drugs, I try to think about the mechanism, and this helps me to remember the various classes of chemo drugs. In order for a cell to divide, cellular DNA has to be replicated. So think of things that target the DNA, okay? Making the DNA, also known as nucleotide synthesis, is a common target of chemotherapy drugs because if we can't make the parts that go into the day into the DNA, we can't synthesize new DNA and we can't divide. So these drugs that go after nucleotide synthesis are called anti-metabolites. There are drugs that inhibit thymidine synthesis, purine synthesis, inhibit ribonucleotide reductase, and also inhibit the enzymes involved in DNA replication or the anti-topoisomerase drugs. So all these drugs that go after nucleotide synthesis and DNA replication, think of these as anti-metabolites. Then there is a class of drugs that directly damages the DNA. So it's no longer about making or replicating the DNA. It's about just breaking down the DNA that's already there. So there are agents that cross-link DNA via alkylation, and these are called alkylating agents. And then there are other drugs that will physically break DNA strands by creating free radicals, which intergulate into the DNA. These are known as anti-tumor antibiotics. So, so far we talked about anti-metabolites, the drugs that directly damage the DNA. And then finally, the last class of chemotherapy I want you to remember is the drugs that affect cell division. So assuming the DNA is intact, the cell still has to physically be able to divide. Think of mitosis and how the microtubules physically pull chromatids apart from each other. Believe it or not, there are drugs that go after these microtubules and inhibit them. These are the microtubule inhibitors. 
So if you just remember these three classes, antimetabolites, drugs that directly damage the DNA, including alkylating agents and anti-tumor antibiotics, and finally, the microtubule inhibitors, those are kind of all the major classes of chemotherapy agents that you should know. Now, let's hit one drug at a time and kind of address the individual mechanism and side effects that are important for you to know for each drug. Remember, I'm not going to mention the generic side effects of all drugs. Um, All chemotherapy drugs can cause hair loss, nausea, and vomiting. Another, you know, another group of cells in our body that are constantly dividing and repopulating are our blood cells. So our immune cells, our platelets, our red blood cells, these come from the bone marrow. So a lot of these chemotherapy drugs can cause myelosuppression, they can cause your blood counts to drop. So all these generic side effects I won't be mentioning, but particular drugs have certain unique side effects that are important to think about. So if those come up, I will mention those. So let's start with our first class of drugs the drugs that impair DNA synthesis. These drugs are known as the anti-metabolites. So what drug inhibits thymidine synthesis? There's actually two that I can think of for thymidine synthesis. So 5-fluorouracil, often called 5-FU as an abbreviation, inhibits the enzyme thymidylate synthase. 5-FU essentially forms a complex with thymidylate synthase and folate and inhibits the activity of this enzyme so you can't make thymine and you can't form DNA. Now, since it forms this complex with folate, there's a, a molecule called leucovorin, which is essentially folic acid, that can be given with 5-FU to enhance its activity. So 5-FU and leucovorin are often given together to have kind of a synergistic effect. Can you think of the major side effect of 5-FU? This drug is known uh, for causing a hand and foot syndrome. This is kind of a rash that affects the hands and feet. If you need a quick way to remember that, um, think of someone yelling F-U and slapping you in the face or kicking you. So associate F-U with the hands and the feet and think of a rash appearing on those hands and feet. The last thing to know about 5-FU is that there's a prodrug called capecitabine. It's a prodrug of 5-FU and it's used in a lot of cancers. It has the same mechanism as F-U. It's just a different formulation and it can also be given orally. Now, what other drug inhibits thymidine synthase? methotrexate. So this is a folate analog and it inhibits the enzyme dihydrofolate reductase, inhibiting production of the same precursor of thymidine. Do you guys know what side effect can be caused by methotrexate? Folate deficiency. So we actually can give leucovorin, which like I said earlier is folinic acid, to reverse methotrexate toxicity. Um, Remember, leucovorin is given with 5-FU to kind of enhance its effects, and it's given with methotrexate to kind of reverse the toxicity. So thymidine synthase inhibitors are methotrexate and 5-FU. And if you need a quick mnemonic to remember that, just think meth will F-U in the thigh, 
or thymidine, okay? What drugs inhibit purine synthesis? So 6-mercaptopurine is the drug that you should know which inhibits purine synthesis. And there's also azathioprine, which is a drug that is metabolized into 6-mercaptopurine. Both of these drugs are purine analogs. And do you guys know side effects of the purine analogs? So they're actually metabolized by xanthine oxidase. Um, and as a result, if a patient is also on allopurinol, which is a drug used to treat gout, patients can have increased toxicity from the 6-mercaptopurine or azathioprine. And if you need a quick way to remember these drugs, remember that they all have purine in the name. So mercaptopurine, azathiopurine, and they both have a bad, relaxion, bad interaction with allopurinol. So remember that all these drugs have purine in the name and they affect purine synthesis. Now, what drug inhibits ribonucleotide reductase? This drug is hydroxyurea. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a great mnemonic here, but just remember that hydroxyurea inhibits ribonucleotide reductase. Now, these anti-metabolites as a class are often used to treat things other than cancer as well. I think fluorouracil is the most common cancer drug that is used out of all these agents, but 6-mercaptopurine, for example, is used to treat organ rejection, as well as rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease. Hydroxyurea is actually used in sickle cell, where it increases fetal hemoglobin concentration. So just remember that some of these drugs have unique applications that are not just cancer. So we talked about drugs that inhibit DNA synthesis. Let's briefly talk about drugs that inhibit DNA replication. Do you remember which class of drugs this is? The topoisomerase inhibitors. Remember, these go after the topoisomerase enzymes that are involved in DNA replication. And there are two topoisomerase enzymes, topoisomerase 1 and 2. So what is a topoisomerase 1 inhibitor that you should know? Irinotecan. Remember topoisomerase 1 because the I and the 1, you know, I is a Roman numeral for 1. And then what about topoisomerase 2 inhibitors? Etoposide. And this is a, a stretch of a way to remember this, but think of a lowercase e can be turned upside down and kind of look like a 2. So irinotecan is topoisomerase 1 inhibitor. Etoposide is topoisomerase 2 inhibitor. Moving on now to our next class of drugs, which are the drugs that will directly damage the DNA. There's a big class of drugs here that you should know, which are alkylating agents. Do you guys know what drugs act as alkylating agents? So there are a lot. Busulfan, cyclophosphamide, the nitrosoureas, these are the mustard agents like carmustine, lomustine, semustine, as well as procarbazine. So alkylating agents will essentially add on an alkyl group to the DNA, and that alkyl group causes the DNA to cross-link. And when the DNA cross-link, it is damaged and the cell, you know, detects this and it can trigger downstream pathways and lead to cell death. 
So that's the basic mechanism. Now, particular drugs have side effects that you should know. Can you think of a side effect of busulfan? So busulfan can cause pulmonary fibrosis. And if you have a hard time remembering this, think of busulfan, blue sulfan. Blue as in I blew the candle out. And think about lungs in that context, and hopefully that can help you remember that busulfan causes lung toxicity. And then another side effect that often comes up is cyclophosphamide. Do you guys know a major side effect of cyclophosphamide? Hemorrhagic cystitis. An easy way to remember this is think of somebody sitting on a cycle and think of the cycle putting pressure on their bladder. And so as a result, cyclophosphamide can be associated with bladder toxicity and it causes hemorrhagic cystitis. Good. And then there's one more big class of alkylating agents that are very, very commonly used in various types of cancer. So these will be the platinum agents. Cisplatin and carboplatin are probably the two most common. These also cross-link the DNA. And they have particular side effects that you should really remember. Do you guys know what they are? It's ototoxicity and nephrotoxicity. The way you can remember this, think platinum, heavy metal, going to a heavy metal concert. You can imagine it's toxic to your ears, so ototoxicity. And then think of just getting really dehydrated at this, you know, super hype concert and getting nephrotoxicity from the dehydration. So platin agents are alkylating agents, which cross-link the DNA, and cisplatin and carboplatin, and these both cause ototoxicity as well as nephrotoxicity. And then that kind of sums up the alkylating agents. And do you guys remember the other type of drug I mentioned in the group that directly damages the DNA? These would be the anti-tumor antibiotics. That's kind of a weird name for that drug class, but what they do is they create free radicals to break up the DNA. The drugs that fall in this class are bleomycin, dactinomycin, and doxorubicin. If you remember any single drug from this class, I want you to remember doxorubicin because it does come up a lot. Doxorubicin actually belongs to a class of drugs called anthracyclines, and sometimes the drug is also known as hydroxydonorubicin. But doxorubicin is an anti-tumor antibiotic that creates free radicals to break up the DNA. The reason it comes up a lot is because it comes up in the context of toxicity. What is a major toxicity of doxorubicin? Cardiotoxicity. It can cause dilated cardiomyopathy. And dextrazoxane is actually an iron chelating agent that can be used to prevent cardiotoxicity when using doxorubicin. The other side effect that you might be asked about in this class of drugs is toxicity of bleomycin. Any idea what that causes? The answer is pulmonary fibrosis. So just like busulfan, Remember that toxicity, blue sulfan, and blue makes us think about blowing out a candle and think about the lungs? 
bleomycin or bluomycin also causes pulmonary fibrosis. So the two B drugs, busulfan, bleomycin, they both cause pulmonary fibrosis. And then dactinomycin is another drug. It's often used for pediatric tumors. Finally, do you guys remember the very last class of chemotherapy drugs that we mentioned earlier? These are the drugs that inhibit mitosis. So these are the microtubule inhibitors. Do you guys know what class of drugs fall under this category? So there's a big class of drug called taxanes. Um, one common example of this is paclitaxel. And then there are two drugs, which I call the V drugs, vincristine and vinblastine. And for these drugs, you really do need to know their side effects. So do you know a side effect of vincristine? It's neurotoxicity. Patients who have been on vincristine can get some severe peripheral neuropathy. Um, and the mnemonic that I love from first aid is that vincristine crisps the nerves. And what about vinblastine? The toxicity that it causes? It causes bone marrow toxicity. Remember, a lot of drugs can cause bone marrow toxicity, but vinblastine in particular. So remember, vinblastine blasts the bone marrow. That is also from first aid. So excellent. I know that was a lot and a ton of information, but unfortunately with the cancer pharmacology, you just have to memorize the mechanism and the side effects. And the easiest way for me to do that is think of stupid little mnemonics that can help me make these key associations. So those are the major chemotherapy agents that you need to know. And in cancer care, a lot of drugs are given in regimens. So you don't just give one chemotherapy drug, but you give multiple together. For example, fulfirinox is a common regimen used for pancreatic cancer. It consists of 5-FU, leucovorin, irinotecan, and oxaliplatin. So all of those drugs are given together. Now, let us move on from the chemotherapy agents onto immune therapies that are much more commonly being used across various types of cancer. And since they are being used more commonly, you are expected to know certain immunotherapy agents. The good thing about immunotherapy drugs is they're easy to identify by their name. Anything ending in AB, remember that AB stands for antibody, and that's how you'll know that it's an immune therapy, if it has that AB ending. So let's just go through a few drugs that I think you should know for step one, and we'll talk about their mechanisms. What is a drug that inhibits CD20? CD20 inhibitor antibody? Rituximab. This is an agent used to treat non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, CD20 is a marker on B cells, so rituximab targets CD20 and helps activate your immune system against B cells, which are the problematic cell in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What about a VEGF inhibitor? VEGF is vascular endothelial growth factor, so it's an abbreviation VEGF. Bevacizumab. Bevacizumab is sometimes used in solid tumors. It's also actually used in wet macular degeneration because it inhibits all those blood vessels from forming. So just remember that Bevacizumab inhibits VEGF and it's a blood vessel inhibitor. So it has that BV in the name for blood vessel. 
which drug is an EGFR inhibitor? And there are a lot of these, but one of the common ones that you should know is cetuximab. A lot of cancers can express EGFR, and if they have that if they have that mutant expressed, you can use this drug cetuximab to go after those drugs. And finally, this one comes up a lot, a HER2 inhibitor, trastuzumab. The brand name of trastuzumab is Herceptin, so that's how you can remember it goes after HER2. Trastuzumab is used in HER2 positive breast cancers, and it can cause a major side effect that you should be familiar with. Any idea what that is? Cardiotoxicity. And what was the other chemotherapy drug that we said can cause cardiotoxicity? Doxorubicin. Very good. And then very last class of drugs that I want to discuss with you guys today are the targeted therapies. These are the inhibitors against very specific molecules. And there's only a few that you should know for step one. So do you guys know which drug inhibits BCR, ABL? This is a drug called imatinib. This is the biggest one to know because BCR-ABL is the Philadelphia chromosome fusion gene that is expressed in patients with chronic myeloid leukemia. And the targeted therapy for this is imatinib, which goes after that BCR-ABL protein. And just like the antibodies have the AB ending, all these targeted therapies that are inhibitors have an IB ending. So that's how you can recognize that it's an inhibitor. So imatinib is one of them. Which drug goes after the EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibitor? Erlotinib. That E and E can help you associate. And then finally, do you guys remember which drug acts as a BRAF inhibitor? Inhibits the molecule BRAF? Vemurafenib. So BRAF can be mutated in melanoma commonly, and vemurafenib is a drug that can go after that BRAF. So excellent. I know this is a really hard topic, and it's a little bit dry because there's not a whole lot of physiology or interesting case vignettes. It's kind of just knowing the drug, knowing the mechanism, and knowing various side effects. And I really think that for learning this, repetition is key. I really don't think you have to know these specific drugs unless you're pursuing a career in oncology, but you do need to be familiar with the basic mechanisms and side effects for the purposes of step one. I know I didn't go through a lot of case vignettes and presentations the way things are actually asked on step one, but I think that for this particular topic, if you have a solid understanding of the mechanism and the key side effects and you're able to kind of identify those buzzwords like doxorubicin causes cardiotoxicity, you'll know enough to navigate these questions on the step one. Remember that when they are asked, they'll probably be asked a second or third order question. So they'll describe a patient who probably has lymphoma. They'll show you their labs and Based on knowing they have lymphoma, probably chronic myeloid lymphoma, they'll ask you what is the mechanism of the drug that can be used to treat this. And it'll be the mechanism of imatinib, which is the BCR-ABL um, targeted therapy. So that's kind of how the questions will be asked. But if, as long as you have these mechanisms and side effects kind of, you know, wrapped your head around them, I think that you'll be good. 
Now, we won't be getting into hormonal therapies in this episode just because I think that would make it way too long. We can dedicate an entire other episode to that topic. But just know that hormonal drugs can also be used in the treatment of cancer. Now, before we wrap up, I want to just do a quick rapid-fire review so that we can remove some of the most poignant topics that are commonly tested time and time again. So let's start by going over the key toxicities that I want you to know. What drugs cause pulmonary toxicity? Bleomycin busulfan. How about cardiotoxicity? Doxorubicin and trastuzumab. What is the toxicity of cyclophosphamide? Hemorrhagic cystitis. How about toxicities of cisplatin and carboplatin? Ototoxicity and nephrotoxicity. And finally, vincristine? Neuropathy. Very good. Let's move on now, and I'm going to say a drug, and I want you to try to think of the mechanism of that drug. Etoposide? Topoisomerase 2 inhibitor. Irinotecan? Topoisomerase 1 inhibitor. Cisplatin and carboplatin? These are alkylating agents that are DNA cross-linking. How about the taxanes? These are microtubule inhibitors. Doxorubicin? This generates free radicals. It's known as an anti-tumor antibiotic. Trastuzumab? Antibody against HER2. Rituximab? Antibody against CD20. And finally, imatinib? This is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor of BCR-ABL. That was a lot, but I really hope that this was a helpful review for you to try to categorize these drugs and kind of understand their mechanisms. There are really only a few concepts from here that come out time and time again, tested in various ways on board exams. So hopefully we really drilled those down. Um, but you know, repetition is key. So I would encourage you to listen to this episode again, go to your book and kind of review this in a visual format, do practice questions, whatever it takes to really drill down this topic. Thank you guys so much. If you're still listening, give yourselves a pat on the back because that was a ton of information to get through. I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in a spoonful of sugar um, we've had a huge growth in our following, received a lot of amazing feedback that's very encouraging, um, and I'm looking forward to incorporating more students to host our episodes and kind of expand our team and help help make medical knowledge a little bit more accessible and a little bit easier and you know make you excited about it because it's really cool stuff that we get to learn in medical school. If you liked this episode, I'd encourage you to give us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you noticed any errors in this episode, please visit spoonfulofsugar.org and you can post them under the link for this episode. I always encourage you to connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is you use. Thank you guys again so much for your time. If there are any SOS topics that you'd like to see covered on this podcast, let us know because Spoonful of Sugar is always here to help the medicine go down. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time.